God's word is God's tool to prepare God's people for life and ministry. May God bless and equip you for exploits in his kingdom, even as you listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we commit this session into your hands, eh? the second part of what you started to speak to us. Um, And Lord, our hearts honestly and earnestly desires that you speak with us again and encourage our hearts again from your word. So bless us as we look at your word even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, in the first session, we're looking at the man God chooses. The man God chooses. We're looking at this from Psalm 89. And we looked at five things. But the intro, we looked at verse 3 and verse 19, where we said, we did not understand why God chooses people. You know, why God chooses people, why God covenants with some people, why God says, this one I have found. He said he has found David. He said he chose David from among the people. And we try to understand why. And we looked at a few things that are the results of such a relationship. When God chooses a man. When God chooses a man, we say God separates a man from the crowd. For some reason, God looks at everybody and God picks a man. And God says, I have chosen you. I have found you. As though I have been looking for a type of person like you. And then we looked at five things just as a recap in verse 3. We saw that God made a covenant with him. Um, In verse 4, 3 and 4, we see that God actually swore by an oath of blessing him and his posterity. In verse 19, we saw how it says that God will give him help. Um, One who is mighty, he says God will exalt him and help him. In verse 20, And also verse 3, we saw how God personalizes that person and says, this is mine, mine. This is my chosen. This is my servant. And then finally, we saw in verse 20, we saw how God anoints him. God says that I have found my servant David, but not just found him, I have anointed him with holy oil. Now we want to look at a few more things that describe such a man that God has chosen, that describes his relationship, that describes their fellowship together. So please go with me to verse 21. Uh, The New King James says, With whom my hand shall be established, Also my arm shall strengthen him, with whom 
with whom my hand shall be established, also my arm shall strengthen him. Um, verse 21 in the New Living Translation says, I will steady him with my hand, and with my powerful arm I will make him strong. I'd like to draw from the, the New Living Translation. God is saying, for the man he has chosen, for the woman he has chosen, no matter how the winds of life blow, no matter what happens to him, God says, I will steady him. I will steady him. I will establish him. I will strengthen him. I will make him strong. When God has chosen a man, when God has found the type of man he wants, God steadies that man. This man no longer operates according to his physical capacities. This man no longer operates according to his human abilities. No matter how the wind blows him, the hand of the Most High steadies him. The hand of the Most High upholds him. He does not shake. He cannot be blown aside. You see, some people, they are emotionally weak, physically weak, psychologically weak. Things can easily blow them left and right. Things can easily get through into the inner recesses of their heart. But for the man God chooses, the Bible says that God, not man, God steadies him. When you are married, God steadies you in your marriage. If you're a student, God steadies you in your education. If you're a single person, God steadies you in singlehood. It doesn't matter your status in life. The man or the woman God chooses, God steadies. And that is something we so desperately need. We don't need to be people who the winds of this world can blow helter-skelter. We don't want to be people who are easily broken down by situations and circumstances around us. We want to be people whom the Lord God Almighty, by his mighty right hand, will steady. The Lord will steady you. The Lord will steady me. By his mighty right hand, the Lord himself, by his powerful hand, will steady us in the name of Jesus. One evidence, one sign that the Lord God has found you and I among his chosen is that God steadies us. God steadies us. You don't let your emotions run amok. 
You don't let your personality traits betray you. You are able to find self-control under the grace and the power of the hand of God. When you feel like talking and you know you shouldn't talk, the hand of God holds you. When temptation comes your way and the wind blows you, the hand of God steadies you. It is the hand of God we need in ministry, in life. The hand of God steadies. When you see there are relationship crises, when you see that there are issues that are going wrong, it is because some people are no longer steady. Some people are now reacting in the flesh, operating in the flesh. May the Lord help us to be steady in the name of Jesus. So that's point number six. Point number seven, we find in verse 22, the New Living Translation says, His enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. Now, even though it may seem like the wicked may overpower you for a season, but it's only for a season. Remember, he's speaking to David. It will seem like David suffered loss. It looks like his kingship was taken away. It looks like he was abandoned. But God says, no, this is just a temporary blight. It's just a temporary experience. You will bounce back. The enemy can never have the final laugh over your life, David. Friends, I honestly believe with all my heart, with all my heart, that those that are chosen by God, the enemy cannot defeat them. Even when the enemy thought he had defeated Jesus, it was just a comma in the journey of Jesus. It was not a full stop. And many times when the enemy may seem like they have overpowered us, please remember it is only a comma in our journey. If we are people chosen by God, there cannot be a full stop by the devil. The best is a comma. The best is a comma. And I say to myself again and again, no matter what happens to me, I shall overcome. Like the old hymn now. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome today. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe that we shall overcome someday. That is the deepest conviction of my heart. If I am chosen by the Lord, I will overcome. If I am found by the Lord like David, I will overcome. Now, the New 
King James Version says something I like. The 22, verse 22a, Psalm 89, verse 22a says, The enemy shall not outwit him. That means the enemy, no matter how he comes, he cannot outsmart him. He cannot outsmart the chosen one. I know there's a denomination in this, you know, called chosen. I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm just saying that for the ones that God has found, for the one that God has chosen, we said God has chosen everyone in the church. Everyone, but within the chosen are the chosen. Just like we said, within we said within Israel, the whole of Israel was chosen, but within the chosen of Israel, God chose David. So God said to David, I have chosen you. And concerning David, God says the enemy cannot outsmart you. The enemy cannot outwit you. I need you to pray that over yourself. I need us to believe that no matter what the devil does, he cannot outsmart, outwit, overpower, overwhelm, overtake us in the name of Jesus. Because we are chosen because we have been found by the Lord. That is point number seven. We shall move on to point number eight. What does the Lord do concerning such a one when the enemy comes against him? Verse 23, I like the way the Lord puts it in New Living Translation. It says, I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. It's not my job to fight those who hate me. It's not my job to fight the adversaries. We spend so much effort fighting our adversaries. The human beings who seek to destroy our life. It's not our job to fight them back. Those who are chosen of the Lord, they are humble men. They are humble women. They are meek. And the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. They are not people who go about fighting back. They don't go around punching back. People may seem to punch them and get away with it. But I want to say to you, everyone who is an adversary, who fights against you, you don't have to fight back. The Lord says, I, the Lord, will beat down your adversaries. I, the Lord, will do that. I, the Lord, will do that. To beat something down means that the person is not able to stand up. Another version, when my wife and I, our family, were studying this, another version says, I will crush your enemies. Now, I, I'm, you know, we don't pray that our enemies should die. We don't pray for their disaster. We don't pray for anything to go bad with our enemy. That's not our prayer. However, however, it's important to note, you cannot dictate how the Lord will deal with your enemies. You cannot dictate. So, 
Our job is to say we will not fight our enemies. We will fight spiritual powers, of course. We will resist spiritual principalities and forces. But our physical enemies, those who physically seek to do us harm, let the Lord deal with them. The man God has chosen enjoys heavenly defense. The Lord arises, the Lord speaks, the Lord enforces his own righteousness, his own power, his own glory. He shows up. The Lord shows up. And I just want to encourage us that let the Lord do his own work. Even for those of us who are married, one of the keys we have to learn, though your husband or your wife is not your adversary, your husband or your wife, they are not your enemies. But sometimes in the, in the, in the push and shove of life, it may seem like your spouse is an enemy, but he's not. She's not. He's not. She's not. If you have married in the will of God, your spouse is not your enemy. A lady spoke with me yesterday for well over 30 minutes, just telling me how she doesn't understand as if her husband hates her. As if her husband hates her. I had to say the husband does not hate you. Maybe he's struggling. It may be personality. But the key here is even your spouse, when they do things that seem to break your heart, it's not by fighting back. Let the Lord deal with your spouse. And I'm not saying the Lord will crush your spouse. And I certainly hope not. But I can tell you from experience that my wife does not fight me back, at least most of the time. But I have noticed that in the simplicity, the humility, and the gentleness of her heart, even when I misbehave and do things I should not do, and she keeps quiet, and she still loves me, the Lord turns around and rebukes me. The Lord turns around and deals with me. And the Lord forces me to make peace, to reach out, to apologize. So let's not fight. Let's not fight. We have been called to love when our enemies or those who oppose us rise. Commit the situation to the Lord. If you are chosen, if you are chosen, the Lord himself will speak for you. May the Lord speak for us in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's move on quickly to number 9, which is verse 24. The New King James says, But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. Now, New Living Translation says, My faithfulness and my unfailing love will be with him. Let's take that first part first. My faithfulness, my unfailing love will not leave him. That is the word of the Lord. And I need to remember that when the storms of life visit. The Lord says, if indeed you are my chosen, my faithfulness, my unfailing love will not leave you. 
my faithfulness, my commitment, my unfailing love. New King James says, my mercy will not leave you. Is that not wonderful? That the mercy of the Most High, that the unfailing love of the Most High abideth with me and with you because we are chosen. Because we are chosen. The unfailing love of God remains. And even when we commit sin, the unfailing love of God leads us to repentance. When we have failed, the unfailing love of God restores us. When we fall down, the unfailing love of God picks us up again. Isn't this amazing? I am secure. I am whole. I am complete. I am fortified because the unfailing love of God, the love of the Most High sustains me. The love of the Most High upholds me. His faithfulness surrounds me. I am not alone. You are not alone. It is the will of God that the chosen ever live within the walls of God's unfailing love. It is my prayer that no matter what the world brings, our eyes will be upon the Lord. We shall see his faithfulness manifesting again and again in the name of Jesus. Even when our hearts may seem heavy, and we feel like we are abandoned. Jesus cried on the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Why, Father, Father, you have forsaken me. And remember, if Jesus can cry that way, how much more sometimes we might cry that way. Sometimes it may seem like the Lord has forsaken us. Sometimes it may seem like the world has turned its face against us. But this morning, I want to say again to every one of us that the Lord in his unfailing love will never leave us. The Lord will never forsake us. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God's faithfulness, and God's unfailing love will never depart from your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. Point number 10, as we move towards the end. That same verse 24, but we'll connect that also with verse 25. It says, And by my authority he will grow in power, verse 25, I will extend his rule over the sea, his dominion over the waters. When the Bible talks about seas and waters, it's often referring to peoples. And God is saying here, for the one I have chosen by the authority of God, he will extend your influence, your, your influence. You will grow in power you will grow in influence. New King James says, he, by my name, his horn will be extended or his horn will be exalted. This is the will of God for the chosen. From sea to river, God says, by my authority, 
you will grow in power, you will grow in influence. So can I beg you, do not accept that it is God's will for you to remain a redundant non-entity. It is not God's will for you to remain a redundant non-entity. I repeat this again and again. That does not mean you will be a king like King David. But in any sphere of operation you are in, God is saying, I will extend your influence. I will extend your area of coverage if you will let me work with you. For the chosen, for the chosen, God says, I will extend your influence. I will grow your power. This is the will of God for you to extend influence, to extend power. May you not be ashamed. There is something I called humility. Humility is not an English word. It's just something I coined. Humility is a false humility whereby you say to yourself, I don't want to grow. I don't want to extend. I don't want to be, you know, greater than I am. Leave me as a tiny mouse under the chair. Leave me as a tiny ant, like a worm. And God says, I did not make you to be a tiny mouse under the bed. I did not make you to be a worm under the table. I want you to have influence. You may not be a king. You may not be a CEO. You may not be a director. You may not even be a team leader. You may not even be a leader in any way. You may not be a leader. However, you don't have to be a leader or have a position of leadership to extend influence. What God is saying is, for those I have found, there will be a positive influence on the earth. They will extend my influence on the earth. They will be salt and light on the earth. They will bring about positive change within their sphere of influence. I know a young man who I have been mentoring, and I'm amazed at the way the Lord is growing his influence in such a short time because he has understood that you don't have to be a senior leader to extend influence. You don't have to sit on his high chair to be a, a man of influence. Just extend your influence wherever you are. It is the will of God that where you are, you will extend influence. May the Lord do that for you from your sea to your river in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then finally, I really want to round up at this point by saying in verse 26 to 27, he says, um, He shall cry to me, You are my Father, my God. And the rock of my salvation. Also I will make him my firstborn. Now what God is saying here. Is for those I have chosen. They have a sensitive place in his heart. A special place. He said you will call me father. You will cry to me. You are my father. My God. And I will say you are my firstborn. 
God has many firstborns. The Bible talks about Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, his only begotten son. We do not and cannot compare or compete with the position of Jesus. But we know he is our big brother. And big brother does not mean that we come second, third, fourth, fifth. Is that where Jesus sits as firstborn. He says we sit with him in heavenly places. We sit with him as firstborn. And that gives me such confidence in life. That if God has chosen me, if God has found me, he says, I will place you with the same glory. I will bring you into the place of my firstborn. I really want us to believe that it is the will of God for us to enter into the glory of the firstborn. It is the will of God for us to enter into the place that has been prepared for the firstborn. Those of you who have children, you know that there is a special place for the firstborn. There's a way when that first child comes, you idolize the child. Oh, you cannot take your eyes away from the baby. You, you listen carefully. If the baby cries a tiny bit, you wake up quickly and you rush out. Your heart is so tender, so sensitive, because this is the first time to have a child. And every one of us, the Lord is saying, I place you in that same place, the place of the firstborn. I have chosen you. I have found you. And for that reason, I am equating you, not as though you are like Jesus in terms of the only begotten. And I need to clarify that. Not that you are like Jesus, meaning you are part of the Trinity in the sense of Jesus, the only begotten son. No, no. No one can exactly be in the place of Jesus. But he died on the cross. He was made sin so that we who were sinners can become the righteousness of God. Who is Jesus? Who is the righteousness of God? We become like the little Jesuses. We become like the firstborn. Who the Lord looks at with great love, with great affection, with great passion. I am saying these things because I hear the Lord saying, we cannot even do ministry until we understand who we are as God's firstborn. We cannot expect to make an impact on the earth until we also understand that God has chosen us, God has found us, and I want to pray with you, just like I pray with myself, that indeed we shall be among the chosen, the found of God, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let me close with verse 36. God says, 35 first of all, once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. God is not lying and each of these things that God has spoken concerning David, the Lord speaks concerning you. The Lord has sworn. The Lord is not lying. Each of these 11 things we have looked on,
God is saying he will bring it to pass. If you read verse 30 to verse 34, he says, Even when your children misbehave, I will discipline them, yet I will not break my covenant which I have spoken concerning you and your seed. That means even your offspring, even your spiritual children, your biological children, even when they misbehave, God says, I will discipline them, yet I will restore them. I will still bring them back because I cannot lie. The Lord has sworn he will not lie. And I want to ask you, please, turn to the Lord in prayer. Say, Lord, find me. Find me, find me. I was sharing this with some people and I said, by hook or crook, God, you must find me. And people laughed. It sounded funny, but it's a level of desperation when you say to the Lord, any which way, any which way, Lord, when you are looking for someone, find me. And every one of these 11 attributes, 11 aspects, 11 blessings, may they be mine. May they be mine. For me, for my posterity, may each of these things become a reality. Can I ask us to turn to the Lord in prayer? Father, Father, we are not made to be a mouse that scampers away or a worm that has no backbone. Lord, you are saying that concerning those who are chosen, concerning those who have been found by God, there are blessings that accompany such a one. And for every one of us, Lord, we pray, we will enter into those blessings. We will experience those blessings. We will will enter into the fullness of those blessings of the Most High. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Can I add that every one of us begin to just talk to the Lord about this?